What's up, y'all? It's Doc Robinson from Jazz Beat Promotions, and welcome to another edition of Doc's Jazz Beat uh, on the podcast and also live on Atlanta Jazz Lovers on Facebook. My special guest tonight, I call him the Young Gun. Please welcome Vincent Ingala. What's, What's up, up, brother? Doc? Yeah, man. Um, I'm on so your how, podcast now. I know. Love you're it. on the podcast. I'm, I'm so honored, you know. I, I, I've always, you know, my nickname from you is the, is the Young Gun because, you know, you've done so much. <laughs> at a fairly young age and I just uh, wanted to get you on here and talk about a few of the things that uh, you've done to get to the point that you're at now. Um, yeah. Let's start at the beginning. Sure. How was it growing up in Connecticut? It was uh, fairly average for the most part, except I had so much music at my disposal because uh, my father was, you know, probably my biggest musical influence, even though he didn't play any instruments. He was a, he was a, a mobile disc jockey. So I grew up with literally tons of vinyl that he had. I, I mean, he had a huge collection, and within that collection was just everything. All the eras, starting with the uh, 50s and 60s, doo-wop, and then all the 70s stuff, uh, funk, soul, R&B, which I really sunk my teeth into, you know. And my father always... Uh, had an affinity for horn groups, especially. I mean, not just like Tower Power and Earth, Wind, and Fire, but my father went really deep. Brass construction, Mandrill, BT Express, uh, Pleasure, you know. So I mean, wow, see, see, that's the you go deep stuff, now. <laughs> yeah, no, really deep. So all that stuff got really just stored in my up here like a sponge growing up, and I would just listen to anything that I could. And, I, and vinyl too, you know. Right. I would actually, I had a turntable in my room. And I would just, you know, take go in the basement, find whatever treasure I wanted for that night, and bring it upstairs and just, just. Is that is that crazy when brain. you have such a uh, exposure to music right at home? Uh, a lot of kids, yeah. I think, growing up don't have that exposure. You have to go outside the house to really get exposed, and you basically had your own radio station and your library and everything right, right there. there. What gravitated you to the saxophone? But that might have been not might not have been your first instrument, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's just, people are often shocked when I say that that came last in the arsenal. Right. Prior to that, I was you know everything but you know a woodwind instrument. I was I started on drums. You know, three four years old, I got a kit for Christmas and was really into the drums. I still am. I I love drums. I that's still my favorite instrument, believe it or not. But uh, from there, it was a uh, like a domino effect. I would just move on to every other instrument because I was curious. I was naturally curious. Guitar, um, piano. I stole my cousin's keyboard one day. never gave it back. You know, I taught myself chords and bass. And and see, forever I was, uh, I was recording at a young age. I was really interested in multi-track recording, you know, layering instruments on top of one another. I had a little Fostex wow. track. You know, I was on cassette decks and... Um, just record all kinds of songs, you know, rock songs, uh, love songs, jazz songs. Just, I wasn't writing music at this point. I was just having fun duplicating my favorite songs, you know, and seeing how they were built. But when I was doing that, I was studying how music was structured. I, I would listen to every single instrument. You know, what's the bass doing to complement the drums? What is this guitar part doing? And so I think listening to how tons of records were structured helped me later in life as a songwriter because I knew how instruments locked together like a jigsaw puzzle and you formed a, a cohesive right. song, you know, 
But uh, it wasn't until fifth grade that I joined the concert band. We had to pick either like a, a brass or right. woodwind instrument. And I, I gravitated to the sax because I was, start, I was listening to Louis Prima at the wow. time. <laughs> and, uh, Louis Prima had uh, a sax player named Sam Butera. And uh, I... He, he inspired me to start playing the horn, the way he sounded. And it was kind of a, he was like a rock and roll sax player, but he also had this New Orleans vibe and he was soulful and he could play a ballad. And I was so amazed by this. So that was the first real kick in the rear to, whoa, I want to become a sax player, you know? And so I, I never abandoned all the other instruments, but the sax at that point became a focal point for me where I was really... Right. A fixated. I want to learn this thing, man. You know, this is a challenge to me. I want to, right. I want to learn this. So, when was the first time that you realized that what you were messing around with, that you individually had something special? That like I'm not like the other kids. I'm grasping it better. Um, <laughs> I could be special at this. You know, like you was the first time you realized you had a gift. There was somebody just wasn't just curious. Well, I I'm not in tune to those things you know i my, i'm just thinking i'm always trying to improve myself as a as a uh, a player and musician you know you i guess you get feedback from other people over the gears but you know i uh, i sense that you know like i i guess the easiest way to tell that is that you know when you're in a, a band room with other kids your age you know it's a little more right here at that point like my my music teacher was saying to me hey vin what note is this and you go over the piano i'd say oh that's an a He'd say, "All right, well, what note is this?" And I'd say, mm, "Oh, that's a flat." You know, I was like, I had perfect so, pitch. I, right. I realized I had perfect pitch at a young age, and I know explain my... to people what that is, because uh, I know when you came to Suite, we were messing with you, and you were actually oh, you turning your back. Yes, you you were turning you turned your back, and they would play a junk chord, you know, and you go, "Okay, that's this, that's that." That's it. You would you would say every note that was in the chord. So tell people about what it means when you have perfect perfect pitch. Well, it's it's a uh, it's a phenomenon, I guess you want to call it, that you can uh, hear an, an unidentified note and tell somebody what that note is. And from see, it's it comes very naturally to me. But from what I understand, uh, not everybody, not not even most musicians are able to do that. They have what they call relative pitch, where they can associate. They say, "Oh, okay." Well, that sounds like the fifth note in the scale. So, okay, if he's playing it, so they have a relative pitch. They could base it off something else. But I, um, I found out at a young age that I, I have absolute pitch, and I didn't even know because it just seems it's like a, a sixth sense to me. I could hear a note and, without a doubt, identify what it is on the, on the, on, a, on any instrument, you know. And even like, and like you said, that day we were at the club. We, <laughs> I think. Uh, one of them was playing. One of the guys in the band was playing a chord, and, or, and they were. It was like not even a chord. It was just like right. Name me all the notes in this chord. I'm going mm, E, F sharp, G, A. You're like, oh, you know. Yeah, and like, that, that's, that's crazy. So, so on the other hand of that, it must really drive you insane when it's not exactly perfect pitch that you're hearing. It could be. I'm, I'm a little extra sensitive to, to pitch <laughs> in that respect. So it's a it's a blessing and a curse. Right. In that respect, you know, but you know, it, it, you know, but it's something that has been to 
definitely as, as a benefit to me as a musician over the years, no doubt about it. But there are there are moments <laughs> where it could be a cursing. <laughs> right. I, I know for me, um, I'm the opposite of perfect pitch, I, although I've listened to quite a bit of music over my years. And yeah. so when you're out with someone and you're listening to a show and you kind of cringe and they go, what's wrong? What happened? I'm like, didn't you didn't you hear that? That was crazy. Didn't you? Something didn't was you, off just now. Something did, was did, off. Didn't you hear that? No, I didn't hear that. But, but but when you listen to a lot of shows and you understand, of course, for me, my most uh, I guess favorite time of, of amping up a show is is sound check. You know that oh. that's the show to me. I mean, yeah. you just discover and learn so many things mm-hmm. in sound check. When was the first time that you were on the stage with someone that maybe that you listened to for years and years? You like, oh, this thing is getting pretty deep. Well, before I answer, I just want to go back to the, the sound check thing real right. quick. I remember we were at Sweet Food Lounge once, and I just I just completely randomly broke in a schoolboy crush. Right. And you said, that's going to the show tonight. Right. <laughs> yes. And we ended up, when we did the encore that, later that night, the show, yeah. you said, I know what you're Got to go to the show, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> but to, to your point, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff comes out in sound check. We're jamming. It's like, yes. that's the real show, man. We're, you know, that's it's like un, unabridged. You know, it's like raw. And it, so what's funny about our sound checks, because we've done that series for five and a half, almost six years, each musician in the band has a line that an artist has said to him about something um, and it just never dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how it is. It, it, they say something, you know, about a song or something they didn't know or whatever. And we just, we just, it's on every time they say something to him, remember when so-and-so said such, such to you, we just bring that line up and it's hilarious. You know, and I miss that. I miss the brotherhood yes. of musicianship and the community. And, you know, we, we've been starving for that the past year, but we're right. things are looking up. We're going to get back to that. No doubt. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Look man. Photo. <laughs> Look at that photo. Oh, yes, man. sir, man. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Good old days. Yes, huh? sir. Yeah, we we I remember those those days, man. Where uh, you know, there's just so much fun. Um, so speaking about that, what have you been doing in this era that we haven't been in in a hundred years? Uh, that you didn't do before. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I've been in the same boat as everybody in the sense that we're just trying to uh, number one get through this. Uh, number two. Um, trying to be as patient as possible because you right. know, it's you got good days and bad days of of being frustrated and antsy to, to resume normal life and that you know but i've uh, i've spent a lot of time at home obviously like 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 most people have i'm sure i've been uh, i've been cooking a lot more than usual what I, I, so, I like so, to, so tell us about that what, what, what you're cooking well um being italian you know i mean all right italian dishes here in the house okay know? what's what's your best dish what you what you working with well, I can make a Sunday gravy like nobody, like a, a what? Sauce, Sunday sauce. With Sunday sauce, and yeah. Sausage and and ribs, you know, spare ribs in the sauce, you know, slow cook for hours. That's my favorite. I mean, you know, that's a that's a family recipe passed down. But I like, I, I make good uh, shrimp scampi, you know, oh, wow. mm-hmm. uh, chicken franchise, uh good chicken parm in the air fryer. Um you know, a lot of uh, a lot of Italian dishes that aren't good for you, and there are right. my, my my tummy. The past we year talked about that, yeah. We, we talked about that. <laughs> we talked about that, yeah. I got to scale back just a little bit. Yes, yeah, sir. 
We might be getting back on the road a little yeah. bit soon. Yeah, so I, I need some Italian here. vegan dishes from you. That's what I need. Some plant-based yeah. Italian dishes from you. You put it online. I'm, I'm with you. Well, I, I need to start eating like that now too. You know, we got to cleanse from this whole past year. But that's oh story, well. You well, know? you look like you've been keeping in shape though. You've been running, uh, Jock. What you been I doing? I have. I have the past three months. I, I said I can't. I can't keep doing this. I got to start. Right. You know. <laughs> You know, it coincided with the with the new year. You, you, you meet your goals, but I'm sticking with it. It's the first time I'm really sticking with it because you know you feel good when you work out and you uh, lift in a little bit. You know, you gotta you gotta stay up on it. You gotta yeah, it's a process. Our bodies need that. They deserve that. You know, we gotta. You know, I mean, you've been yeah. working out for years and you've been eating right. You know, it's a lifestyle. You know, so we just get into a lifestyle. And uh, tell us about the road. Tell us the tell me. Well, I I guess I missed the question. We have to get back to uh, the question yeah. I was asking um before um mm. you know so uh tell us about the road though tell us about the best thing or the worst thing about the road well the road is um is interesting because uh, a lot of people they don't really necessarily realize what it takes for that artist that they're going to see to appear on stage that exactly night at eight o'clock on a saturday night you know there's uh you know, I don't. People think it's just they just the artist naturally appears or just walks on and everything's perfect. They're dressed, they're ready to go. It sounds good. You know, there's so much behind the scenes that uh, people don't realize, and they and they shouldn't have to realize it because unless you're involved in it, you don't know. But you know, right. getting up at 4 a.m. and uh, heading down the lobby to go to the next city from the night before show that you played and. Uh, delays and lines and baggage lost and you know taxis cars buses it's like and it's hurry up and wait you rush 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 and then you gotta wait for hours and layovers i'm not painting a bad picture about it because a lot, it's fun a lot of the time and when, right. when you're with you when you're with your bandmates especially and it's it's good times it's exciting being on the road i like it it's something i've become uh used to and i miss it very much now because i i'm i'm killed to go back on the road at this point as, right as, right as would all of us, you know, but, um, you have to, uh, you gotta be a little disciplined on the road because you have to, you gotta take care of yourself. You gotta make sure that you're, you're staying as rested as possible, that you're, you're, you're eating right. And a lot of people say, what's the hardest part about being on the road? And they laugh when I say this, but it's actually true. It's having access to food and not even, <laughs> not even good food, just right. having access. Sometimes, you know, you, you see it, you eat it. The strangest hours of the day you're traveling, you cannot find a restaurant. You're starving. You, right. You, often you got to get off the plane and go right to the venue, and right. you got to do sound check. There's no food around, and so I've yeah. been, I've been tortured so many times, being starving and not be able to find food. So you know you gotta, you gotta plan ahead. You gotta make sure you got. And I, I think I found that at when I hosted the uh, jazz festival in Barbados, and something mm -hmm. had happened to our plane or whatever. And I literally have to get off the plane, get in the car, get out of the car, and jump on the stage. Yeah. And you were talking about somebody that was starving. I know. It could be gruesome. It could be gruesome. And for but me, the, it's worse, you know, being a plant-based because I go to foreign countries and I'm nervous. Like, you know, yeah. I'm like they're not going to have anything. I know. I, first of all, I don't know how you do it with that because I'd be right. I'd be scared on the road, like oh my god, I'm not gonna have access to my food, you know. See, that's when you can be the big artist and you got this writer and you go, listen, 
you got to go down to Whole Foods and get this for me and that for me. And, you know, you got to have one of those David Sanborn writers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know what? He, you got to bring probably, all the, you know. <laughs> he, he learned. He probably learned from years of taking right. on the road. Yeah, he does you know, not play. And all that, you know. But, uh, but the, you know, the other side of the, the coin of the road is it, it's extremely enriching. You know, I, I've... Yes. I've been to places I've never dreamed I'd travel, you know, and, and I've met so many incredible people all over the world, friends and, you know, all parts of the globe that I would never have ever once dreamed that would, would happen. And it's exactly. all the power of music. You know, that's the thing. That's the common denominator that connects us all. It's very, um, it, it's very uh, monumental. You know, it, music is such a universal language and it's the, the lengths of which it connects us is is amazing and i've i've witnessed that firsthand you've witnessed that firsthand uh you know as much as artists as, as much as we love playing and getting on stage it's a it's a give and take relationship with the audience they love going to shows and we feed off each other when we're on stage in the crowd we feel the energy it's a it's a it's really a, a it's really a, a give and take relationship it's a, it, it's, it's a team effort you know really is. yeah i don't i don't know how they're playing games in the NBA without crowds. That has got to be the most yeah. mind-draining thing to be get amped up for a game, and then there's nothing. Yeah. And it's so funny because I, I saw a couple articles uh, on the TV the other day uh, about the players complaining about the referees throwing more people out of the game. <laughs> and so the point that I think they're missing is they're throwing you out of the game because they can hear everything that you're saying. Right. Without the crowd being there, you know, they're cursing out the referee and they're running down the court and there's nobody there. So they're like, listen, you know, I can hear you, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, all these virtual shows are great, but there's, you know, there's nothing like a live show. I think we tried to do something maybe three or four months ago. And when I first heard the drum strike and the bass, my body was actually like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like a little culture shock when we get right. back. I'm not, I'm not used to this feeling in a while. Right. You know? So it, it, it might be hard to calm yourself been, down. You yeah. know, the virtual stuff's been great this past year. Really saved us. You know, kept us connected, sure. and we were able to, uh, you know, keep keep the music going and spread ourselves, you know, out there and uh, and stay connected with our our friends and fans and the music community. But you know, there, like you said, there's there comes a point where there's, there's no yeah. substitute for the real thing. You know. So, I mean, they're trying. They're trying to drive in thing and all that. That's great, but I just want like a real show. Surreal. And you're, you're no used to hugging people. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know how we do it. You know, we're used to hugging people and showing love and just feeling that tightness. I mean, uh, as far as a virtual show, I've done almost a hundred virtual shows, but I'm mainly doing it for the people that supported me and came to my shows, and they're missing some right. aspect of it so i've been playing the live shows you're you know i play your tracks and a lot of other tracks i have all the tracks from all the live shows so people have really right. been enjoying that but i'm just trying to keep them mentally somewhere until we can get back to doing live shows and it's just a, a thing where i mean i guess you, you know it's going to be like the baby boom is going to be the music boom because there's so much music coming out right now i don't know where they're going to put it yeah well i mean that's a, i mean that's a, that's one good thing you know we've had more time to focus on recording music at home I, I certainly have you know 
But I think uh, I think we've turned the corner, and you know I think there's going to be a renaissance like no other because I think when when, the, when when everything finally opens up again to a full extent, I mean I think I mean music. I mean pe people are let's face it, they're dying for live entertainment again. And but it hasn't up. stopped in a hundred years. There's been no. nothing, a war or anything. It hasn't stopped in a hundred years. No. Um, so um, what I was going to ask you before was. Have you? When was the first time you were on the stage and you were kind of awed by who you were on the stage with, and you it just kind of really hit you like oh, I'm I'm in the game with these guys. <laughs> you know, I've uh, I've I probably had a lot of moments like that over the years. You know, I, I never take anything for granted, and I uh, I still don't to this day. You know, I I I think back to to artists that I have grown up listening to and now some I are I, I call dear friends you know and it's just like you got to take a step back every once in a while and realize man you know I, I remember a time where I used to put this record on night and day and obsess over this and now right I'm, now I'm wishing him a happy birthday and he's he's coming over for dinner you know it's like what you know right <laughs> it's crazy but you know I uh the, the, the very beginning of my career around 2011 when I first started traveling on the road um, those kind of moments were happening a lot, you know, very rapidly. I, I would, I'd be invited on stage with certain artists and, uh, Peter White being one of the first to, uh, ask me if I wanted to play with him on stage. And, you know, of course, you know, I, Peter was always playing around the house from my parents who, who followed contemporary jazz. And my parents even went to go see Peter once before I was born. So talk about coming wow. around full circle. Full circle, and, right? Yeah. And, you know, just, uh, countless stories that I can't even uh, I can't even I can't even recall at the top of my head because it's you know it's like there's there's so many pinch me moments but but the funny thing is once you're on stage you know all that disappears because you're just musician and musician together making music and you get so in that zone where you're feeding off each other and ideas that you're forgetting what you're playing with you're just right. so immersed in the music at that one moment it's so it's so true it's so honest and it's so raw that it's only after the fact you realize or you see a video the next day, you know, online, like, holy mackerel, look, look at this. I right. was playing so-and-so or, you know, it's so it's like, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's like a, it's like a religious experience almost, you know. So I, I guess the moment will really come full circle when this uh, maybe 10 years from now, this young guy comes up to you and says, Vincent and Gala, I've been. I've been listening to you for 15 years and man, the sax <laughs> and the singing and the guitar. And I just pattern, you know, my career, you know, by listening to you um, for 15 years. How would that feel to you? Well, how, what, what could you say at that point? You know, how, how could that not be an honor? A right. Tremendous honor. You know, it's uh, if we could inspire, especially the especially a, a younger generation. You know, that's that's the whole point is to keep passing down, inspiring um the younger cats to keep this going because you know we, we need at some point everybody needs to carry the torch and keep music going and then represent their generation and their time on earth so you know that's what it's all about and you know it's there's been a gradual dwindling over the years of of kids taking up instruments in school and band departments closing so you know it's not like it was 30, 40 years ago, and every decade it gets less and less. So anytime that someone's inspired to pick up an instrument instead of a, a an Xbox or a Game Boy or something, it's like, oh, this this is great. There's there's hope for the future. You know, <laughs> he's gonna go shed on that horn instead of shedding on the 
on the, the TV for a couple. What of do hours. you think is the bridge to that? You know, between the younger generation and the hip hop and jazz and everything that the younger younger generation is listening to, and actually kind of pushing it back toward jazz and jazz has been something to me that has always survived one way or another. At one time it was the most popular music there was, mm. you know, seven out of 10 records at one time, back when the Miles Davis days were jazz of the top 10. Mm. So, um, I think it will get back to that, but, um, I just want to know what you thought would be a good bridge between what, what would attract the 17 to 24 year old, uh, well, there's always been like influencer influences from the past that show up in modern day music, whether it's through samples or uh, even like even like the saxophone, just for an example, is coming back in popular music. There's sax solos and songs now and there's little, you know, hooks here and there. And so I think, you know. Uh, especially like online and YouTube, if, 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 if an older artist is introduced to the younger crowd or they do a duet with someone, you know, they look that guy up and say, oh man, you know, this, this guy was cool back in the day, you know, and they learn about music, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say exactly, hard to pinpoint it, but I think, um, I think there's a lot of groups now more than ever that are, uh, finding ways to reach the younger crowd, whether it be through, um, you know, Instagram or TikTok, you know, like, uh, right. for example, like Snarky Puppy, for example, it's a, yes. a group of college, college age kids that are playing unbelievable jazz fusion, you name it, you don't even have to put a label on it. And there's so many musicians online going, wow, this is cool. My ears are being totally opened up. And they're starting their whole trend of, oh, let's form a band like that. Let's make music like this. Yeah. And Anderson Pack is like that, too. You know, he's, yeah, he's, so he's many, doing yeah. some it's crazy stuff right now. And there, like you said, there are a lot of people out there that are playing real music, real instruments. And I think that that's going to be something that people seek. Like, okay, that's cool, but we really want to hear a band. Yeah. I, and you know what? The internet has been good for that because there, there's a lot, there's, for all the negative flack that the internet gets and it, you know, that has its, its moments too, but there one major positive thing about online is you are able to discover a lot of new music and i have found so many players that i've like never even heard of before that that don't even necessarily have albums you know but they're just killing it and shredding in clubs or even in their bedroom and it's like oh my god this guy is so good and, and like you're learning from this guy you know so it's like we are being uh we're all connected really you know, yeah, I, I, I tell somebody I'm going to get a master's degree from YouTube pretty soon because I've been in YouTube University since the pandemic started. So all you the things I've learned could. how to do. <laughs> yeah. I Anything mean, I've, home, I've never been a handy guy, you know. Right. And I'm, I'm a recent new homeowner. So Congratulations. You know, stuff that's kind of new to me. But, I, you know, I've learned everything on YouTube. I, I, right. I, I'm actually proud of myself how to fix things and nuts and bolts and refinish stairs and you know it's like it's great all the all the tools are there if you want them that's the thing i think that's the advantage that a lot of like a lot of the time that you spent creating music or trying to figure out about layering when you were young um a lot of the components are available for you to download now 
you know, before you had actually had to have that piece of equipment <clears throat> to do that. Now you can get all of these, you know, apps and things that do stuff for you. So you can spend more time learning how to play the instrument, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. there's a lot of things that are to these young people that afforded to these young people now that weren't afforded, you know, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago. <clears throat> well, you know, uh, my age might be considered a, a millennial still, but I'm still glad that I started at the very tip at the, like when I was yes I still started on an analog cassette four track recorder so I'm glad I got that experience because I I actually think that's that's so much cooler how they made records back in the day you had you had guys in a room and you had to get it right all at once and it was it was real and now you know you could uh, you could get any virtual any virtual yeah you know and any any sound you want manageable all within a computer and I that's how I record now I use those and there's nothing wrong with that, but you got to go back and and have an appreciation for how they used to record, because a lot of uh, a lot of people have no idea how records were made. They don't realize how much extra work you had to do to get that sound. And so, you right. know, when you finally understand that, you can really appreciate how these. All I, these I was records I was listening to a special uh, last night on John Denver, and mm -hmm. and. Uh, the young lady that wrote the, one of his biggest songs said when they went to the recording studio, they needed to kind of like a tambourine sound, but that would have been too loud. So he had some pocket change in his jacket. And on the record, that's what you heard in like his biggest song. He was just patting his chest with the pocket change. And it sounded like a tambourine, but not quite as loud. And I, so, see, I love stories like that. And there's right, a million. Uh, Michael right. Jackson, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. The, the, those are Coca-Cola uh, glass, right, Coca right. Coca-Cola yeah. with spoons, you know, for, for, for percussion. There's a million stories like that. It, yeah. it, I love it. I love it. You know. And, and that's what I think the concerts to me are. It's like a chance to create history every time you do a show. You know, that show becomes an archive. It becomes a history every time somebody steps onto the arena, every time you step on the stage, any time you perform in front of anybody, that's part of something that's never going to happen again. Not that same way. Um, and I think, you know, people like you, I remember the first time you came in, you know, to Suite. A lot of people didn't know you were. You just kind of getting out there. But then, like, the next year, the year after that, the word of mouth had traveled so much. It's like, oh, this kid, um, you got to go see him. I'm just telling you, sax, guitar, he sings. It does. I mean, you just got to go. And I didn't have to do anything to promote the show. You know, the show promoted itself off of the fact that sometimes you just got to come and you show people. Well, the... Uh... But what's unique about a live show is it creates a, a a fingerprint, like you said, a unique. Exactly. You know, like all the recordings that you play that have been recorded at Sweetfoot Lounge, I'll never play that note for note again. That's the solo I did that night, or what the drummer did on, on the roll, or the or the bass lick. You know, it, it's a it's a unique version only to that night, and it's it's part of history. And, I, and, that, right. and you're right. So when you when you're in the audience at a show like that, you're witnessing also a moment in time that will never be duplicated again. It's unique to that one moment in time, right. you know? So yeah, I've never even thought about that before. That is very cool. And that is, that is part of the magic of seeing something live and going and actually physically being in the room while a performance is going on and musicians are, are connecting right. on stage like that. And you get people that way. They buy all your stuff. Do you, do you and their, you're, you're, you're in their club, you know, they buy all your stuff. They're a fan. You don't have to convince them anymore, you know, because they see you, you perform your heart out. It sounded great. They felt great when they left. And that's the thing I think about music is everybody has some sort of drama going on in their life from mm. one time to another. But for me, 
if I could just have two hours of peace where I don't have to worry about bills, I don't have to worry about anything, any future decisions, and I can come to this show and I can be free for two hours and I'll deal whatever's on the outside when I get outside. And I think that's what you guys provide is that two hours of peace. You know, I can just come, be free, dance, do what I want to do, have my favorite food and just, you know, enjoy. And then I'll deal with the world when I get back to the world. But right now, I'm not in the world doing the show. The musicians do the same thing, too. We all we got right. two in our lives and right. we get on stage and we forget about that. When we're playing and connecting. You can't do any. You can't do nothing about it. And, and, and nobody can do any wrong or the world can't do any wrong when, when you're in that moment because nothing else matters at that one moment. Right. Know? I mean, so. I felt the same way about playing sports when I played basketball. I'm like, when I'm on this court, I'm going to deal with this game and I, I don't, I'm not caring about anything else is going to handle itself when I get off the court. And I, I think that's what the magic is of music. So, so what are you, um, what are you working on now as far as projects are concerned? I'm working on a uh, another album, album number seven, believe it or not. Wow. The, the funny thing is that uh, my, my, my recent album, Echoes of the Heart, was released um, a year ago, February, right, right like weeks before the pandemic hit. So I I lost the entire year of, of touring and, and supporting that on the road, as, as anybody did that released music last year. So uh, I'm not going to be in a rush to put out this new record because when we go back on the road, you're gonna promote um, the other one. I still gotta promote it and play some songs from the show from that CD, which I'm right. excited about. I never got a chance to do, but at least it's it's important to take this uh, crucial time that we do have, and you know, I'll, I'll at least if I could, if I could put a, a, an album in the can, I'll be happy, you know, just to get something done. And uh, and you know, we've had a lot of downtime to, to get creative, and I and I've right. I've been a creative spurt lately, and I've got a lot of songs done and uh, a lot of great ideas, which I'm excited about, but. Uh, the most important thing that I think is is on everyone's mind right now is that, that could happen is that we just get back on the road, right. baby. That's it. Ever thought about a live album? I thought about it. I don't think I'm ready yet, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe a couple more albums. I'll I'll be able to have enough material to, to pick what I want to do from a live CD. But uh, you know, there's live albums are exciting. A lot of my favorite records from the past right. are. Oh my records. gosh! You know, I mean, there's, there's a million you can name. You know, I hate the fact that radio stations don't like to play live album live. You know, Peter Franklin Frampton is probably the most famous live song that's ever been played. You know, yeah. consistently on the radio, everybody else that comes with a live song, eh, we don't really do. You know, but that one kind of, you know, I heard it all the time growing up. You know, yeah, all and, the and time. I heard the. Uh, I heard the studio version of that song. I, Baby, I love your way. I think you're talking right, about Right, right, right. I was like, I hate the studio version. Give me the live version. Right. I'm so used to the live version. Yeah. That's, that's Iron Butterfly and all those groups like uh, that. I mean, the tremendous <laughs> uh, yeah. groups. And, and I think that's another thing. Other than jazz, what do you listen to? Oh, everything. Everything. I, uh, I mean, my, my iPod has all types of music in there from, you know, uh, Pat Metheny to Elvis to uh, classical to uh, any any I got so much obscure funk stuff and R and B wow. stuff that that I that you can't that isn't even commercially available stuff I've ripped from my father's records because I can't find it even on YouTube you know I got wow. so much stuff and you know I I think that's uh, I think that's really important you know a lot when when someone asks 
for advice? You know, what, what could invite, what advice could you give to the younger generation, et cetera? I always say, you know, listen to all types of music. Do not yeah. just close yourself to one type of thing and don't label it. Don't label it either. Don't say, Oh, I play jazz or, or I only play rock or right. You play music. You play music. You right. know, it's, it's, there's only two types of music, good music and bad, and bad music. music. <laughs> That's right. That's you know, it. you and my grandfather have something in common. That's it. Good yeah, and bad. yeah, that's it. You and my grandfather have something in common. Did he feel that way too? No, Elvis Presley. Oh, well. was his favorite artist of all time, and he actually had the seventy fives of Elvis yeah. Presley. And yeah. uh, somebody told me, he says, you know, he knows every Elvis Presley song on the drums, every single one. <laughs> Is that true? Well, that's a whole other day in yeah. itself. I've been a lifelong fanatic of Elvis. And, uh, See. Like a, an aficionado i've studied his whole career and i you know i could wow that's amazing but yeah just so much so much stuff i've grown up with and and had a chance to dissect and you know i feel i feel blessed in that respect because it it, it has enriched my life so much to have that much incredible music um and that you know that shaped me as a musician you know how could it not i have so if I pull, your vocabulary of your thought process is full yeah. range because you don't have a bridge or a dam, you know, blocking you mentally no. from creating music because you're like, well, I've heard this music, you know, and you, you some of it wears on you sometime when you're creating, you know. Yeah, and I've realized that I've been inspired from everything. Like I said, where where did I get inspired to come up with that bridge, that chorus? So you say, wow, you know, that was from an old '50s song right. or this, you know, I was like. Man, I, I can't believe the extent of where things come from. Sometimes, you know, if I if I was so close minded, I would I would hit a wall after a while, and I wouldn't be right. able to go anywhere from there. You know, but it's just uh, it's just yeah. such a beautiful thing. And and the the, the the most important thing about music is that it's forever, and nobody could ever take it away. You know, that's the thing. That's right. Especially as a career, you know, athletes they're often done at thirty five, right. forty years old. They, they blow their knees out, or yeah. they can't go anywhere. Music you could do forever. Yeah, I mean, look at the you know late great Chick Corea. He was playing like crazy right up until the end. I mean, yeah. he never sloughed off. You know, he just he just kept cruising. You and, know, and that and it also keeps uh, you know these guys. I, I noticed these even the, these veterans on the road. You know, these heritage acts that are even in their seventies, eighties. They don't stop. They no. just don't stop. There's no retire. They don't want to retire from that. You don't people. Oh yeah, they people say all the time in interviews. Why don't you retire? Say, well, why don't I retire? What am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do? I want, they're saying, I want to make music. I want to be on stage. There's nowhere place I'd rather be. That's the right. bottom line, you know? So what, what more can you ask for than that? You know? Well, it's a, I think it's a passion place. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people can play, but a lot of people are not professional at playing. And, you know, to be a professional, you, you've got to, do a lot of things like show up on time and, and study and, well, and, and become prepared and yeah. you know and if you don't do those things then you're not a very good musician you know you can have all the solos you want in the world but if i can't get you here on time and i can't get you to learn the music you know how that is you know when yeah. you you and uh, i guess you can talk a little bit about being a band leader uh as opposed to being in the band yeah yeah well that's you know that's something i just was thrown into i naturally became one when i was started to do my own shows and, and and you know employed band members and hired musicians and it just it just happens and i always had a clear vision of what i wanted musically so it was always very easy for me to uh 
communicate what I was looking for to, to a band. And I also speak musician. So I know, I, I also know how to, uh, I know actual music terms of how to, what, what I'm looking for, you know, right. so can, it's very easy to connect. And, um, but you know, life is all about relationships as it you sure know. is. And you have to be able to work with somebody and it doesn't matter how talented they are. They could be the best player in the world, but if they're not, like you said, responsible, personable, they put the homework in, they're not going to get the call next time. So the best cats out there are not only the best musicians. And, and you know, I don't even want to say that because sometimes you don't even have to be the absolute best musician. That's, some that's correct. Guys, some of my favorite players aren't the best technical musicians, but they have good taste. They know right. when not to play. They have a strong sense of melody and they're very melodic. They just play tasteful stuff. They're not shredders. Right. And, it, that, and that doesn't necessarily impress me. I'm not looking for a shredder. I want someone who is going to play what the song calls for and respect the integrity of right. the piece. And um, so, you know, on top of that, you know, you got a, a down to earth, personable guy. Right. Guy Especially being on the road, it's kind of tough when you're with somebody that's like, you know what? No. This is too much. And you're often traveling with, with your band and, uh, you know, you're with them 16 hours a day, but basically, you know, so you gotta, you gotta be able to work with people and be, be personable and down. That's all, that's all part of it. But that, that's a universal thing for any profession, any business. Those are, those are like, that exactly. goes saying, you know, that goes without saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Relationships carry you so far. Um, you know, getting calls from people that remember something like five years ago, I worked with this guy and he's just something wonderful to work with. And, uh, won't you give him a call and that, and that, uh, you know, goes so far with musicians because people don't have to call you. And that's the difference. You know, they don't have right. to call you. And when they find that it's difficult to work with you, that travels really fast. And it's like, I know he's a good drummer or guitar player or whatever, but Mm, not worth the drama or not worth this or not worth that yeah because there's too many other hiccups and things that go wrong that you have to correct before a show even on good shows so you don't need extra extra stuff you know because there's always something that comes up you know before a show that you didn't expect and you got to fix it you know so most, just, most definitely any drama that could be eliminated right <laughs> Any extra drama yeah. could be eliminated. It will be eliminated. You know? Well, what I say to myself, because I have to host it, I got to do a lot of different hats on. And so for me, I just say I'm just trying to get back to zero before the start of the show. Yeah. You know, if that's I can get true. everything back to zero and then start at, at zero, you know, that's a good show for me. Uh, because a lot of things happen that I'm like, I cannot believe this. But then that's what makes it fun because you try to fix everything, you know. Absolutely. Oh, what oh, happened here? I think I lost you for a second there. Hold on. You good? Yep, got you back. Okay, good. So, but, uh, yeah, you know. It's, it's about resetting and getting back to that, that center point, you know, and just kind of just say, okay, I got everything needed done. Let me, let me, like you said, go back to zero. That's the best way to put it. Like yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I got the, I don't have myself up there. Wait a minute. That's a great, great picture. I know, right? And that's a great band, too. Oh yeah, that that uh, that's a great band. The band is incredible. I mean, they and they take pride in learning the music. And a lot of times, with a lot of um, different artists, I have to convince, especially singers, a long time to come because they want I'm, I want my own band, and you know I'm used to my guys. And then when they get there, they go, oh, okay. <laughs> well, 
ATL doesn't fool around, baby. Oh, there's a lot of incredible musicians, and we've had a lot of great, you know, musical directors and things. And I'm just happy for them that they can learn and come to the series and then, you know, get, you know, pushed up to a whole nother level. So, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, it's been great talking to you, brother. And, uh, you know, Likewise, uh, I, I'm a big fan right. and much continued success and um, looking forward to uh, doing one of your first shows when you come back. Can we make that deal? I'm there, man. I'm there. Absolutely. Well, but I you guess know, you, you have created a an incredible thing down in Atlanta. You know, I remember uh, when I first got the, the call, I was excited because I had never really played Atlanta before. So that was a big deal for me. And you took a chance on me when I was uh, still, you know, new in the business and it was a new market. And uh, I, I've been back numerous times since, and I'm, I'm just very grateful to you uh, for allowing me to come back and, and wanting me to come back and uh, pleasing your crowd. Uh, it's one of the best markets in the country. A- A- Atlanta has got something very special to it. The musicians there, the people, the vibe, and what you have started literally from the ground up is remarkable with the Sweet Food Lounge and that whole series. You have kept our genre alive in Atlanta where it desperately needs it. So we have you to thank for that. Well, I I appreciate you. And like I say, I'm a big fan and, uh, you know, much continued success. And uh, you're just uh, really great for the genre of jazz and music. You know, we need more people. We need more Vincent and Galas out there. You know, And they're out there. They're out there. there. And Um, there's there's always going to be someone to keep the torch going. And that's that's the great thing. You know, we got to. They just got to keep pushing. Especially this music, this 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 genre in particular. Contemporary jazz, smooth jazz, whatever you call it, it's right. it's, it's it's still very strong. You know, right. it's, uh, we might not have tons of radio left or whatever, but the the need to go see shows is strong. CD sales are still strong. It's it's like a cult following. You it know? is. We got to keep it going as long as we can and, and and preserve it. You know. Well, thanks again, brother. Thanks for joining me. Thank and you. Like I say, I hope to do a show with you very soon. Our guest today has been Vincent Ngala. I'm Doc's Rob, Doc Robinson from Jazz Beat Promotion. This is Doc's Jazz Beat on the podcast and Facebook as well. <laughs>